What's up, everybody? It's Phil The Voice, your pastor here at Nations Church, Los Angeles. I'm so excited that you've come and you've taken time out of your schedule to join with us in this week's broadcast. I'm excited to share my sermon with you. So we just pray right now in Jesus' name that your life is transformed. We declare and decree healing, transformation, and life change in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get into the sermon as I keep it real with God and I keep it real with you. remember being a young man going to Bible college. I was going to Vanguard University in Southern California. Anybody know about Vanguard University? Yeah. Hoorah, hoorah, alma mater. Rock and rock, rock and rock and roll. Amen. I love that school. It's a great school. It's a phenomenal school. And I was going there. I was in a tough time in my life and development though, because I really wasn't getting along with my dad. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. Just a couple of you telling the truth. The rest of you. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I wasn't. And so at this point in my life, I was living in my car. Have you ever lived in your car before? Yeah, you don't want to admit that in public, but I don't mind it. I will do that. Amen. Because you know what I learned? I learned if you show your scars, other people will show their wounds. Hello. I'm not living in my car no more. Through a long period of things that had happened between me and my dad, it had all come to a head and there was a big blowout. And so I was living in my vehicle and at my friend Wayne's on his couch and at some of the people at the school and I would go and I would work. So I made sure I wasn't even home that much. So, or out that much, I was literally at work literally all the time. I had three jobs. And so I was working, 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 going to school. And then I would sneak back into my house and take a shower, wash my clothes. My mom would say, come in. He's not here. You know, God love your mom. Amen. She was showing me love. If if Scott would have known, I'd have got busted. You know, that's my dad. And I remember going and washing clothes, throwing them in a duffel bag and kind of living in my car. And it was like, here I am going to school, going in ministry, and just totally my home life was just a wreck, right? It wasn't that I was in some sort of blatant sin against God. It's just that I had a rebellion issue. And I guess that is sin. Uh, but it wasn't like I was a drug addict. It wasn't like I was a knucklehead stealing and robbing. I was going to be in ministry. I knew that I was a rapper for Jesus. And I was going across all over the place, doing shows multiple a week and and really doing ministry, but I just, I really had some ethical issues in regard to honoring my parents. Does that make sense? And when you're a young man, 20 years old, and your parents say you can live at the house, you better come home when they tell you to come home. You think you're so grown, then maybe you need to buy a house of your own. And see, I had not learned responsibility. I had an entitlement issue. Do you hear me today? Young people, I pray you don't have an entitlement issue. So I was there, and I remember, I remember feeling really sorry for myself one night, and I was sleeping in the, in the parking lot by the Scott building, right, right by 55, by, right by the Fair Drive right there, right across the street from the Orange County Fair, and I was sitting in the parking lot right next to the police station because that's where I park. And I parked right there, and I remember going through the drive-thru and getting myself a bean burrito. Because that's all I could afford, right? So I got myself a little bean burrito, and I got myself a little cup of water, and I sat there, and I put my, my backpack on my, on my lap, and that was my table. <laughs> and that was my, that was my table. And, and I ate my dinner there by myself with Jesus and the angels, and uh, felt like a, just a, I felt so alone that night. And I drank my drink, and it was late because I had got back from school. I had 
already showered. I mean, I got back from work down in Temecula. I had showered at the house, and then I had ran all the way over. I met Pastor Melanie because she was my girlfriend back then, and we went and we talked for a little bit and just hung out. And then by the time we were done hanging out, I think we watched a movie. I went all the way back to school. So now I'm in Costa Mesa. That's a pretty long drive. I did that three days a week. And as I did that, what was crazy was this, is I'm sitting there and I'm feeling all alone and it's tired by now. It's probably close to midnight. And um, I remember just the sensing of God's love coming upon me in that little vehicle. I had a 1987 light tan Beretta. Light tan, just like Nacho Libre, light tan. And it was a light tan Beretta. It's so funny because when I bought that car, I remember pulling off the little lot that we're at and the, uh, you know, the hood had flipped up. The second I pulled out of the lot and, and folded over the top of the car, it was like, hey, Merry Christmas, you know. So that was a beat-up old car. And I remember just sitting there in my beat-up old Beretta, just, just, you know, thankful for my burrito but feeling really alone. And I remember people walking by, and, you know, I was never kind of a punk at all. I wasn't afraid, but I remember being a little afraid that night because here I am in this parking lot all by myself and having to curl up with my little blanket that I had and wait for 5 a.m. to come up so I could go and get ready for classes, brush my teeth in the bathroom before anybody got there so I didn't get embarrassed. Yeah. And the Lord was showing me that he had, in those moments, it was interesting, prepared a table for me. And it was a table where I learned how to honor my parents. You know, sometimes the best place to learn is in pain. Listen to me. A little bit of pain doesn't kill you. Pain is an indicator that something's wrong. Can I hear an amen? And I was learning that God had prepared a table for me there in the presence of my enemies, afraid on that street, curled up on my little blanket, you know, not sure what was going to happen. But it was a place of healing for me. Some time would go on and I would make things right with my daddy. But I remember that bean burrito, that Taco Bell water cup, and I remember eating on my bag and I remember that God was with me. How many of you in this room today are glad that God is dedicated to the process and the person he doesn't love you for who you're going to be. He loves you for who you are already. He just loves you. Amen. Listen, there are plenty of places in my life that I can think of that God prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. The last 12 years, I stayed in a three-bedroom apartment on the corner of Radford and Victory right between Laurel Canyon and Lancashire. If you know the East Valley, you know that's not a good neighborhood. Every night almost, my, my little baby daughter would go to sleep to the sound of helicopters, gunshots, and people fighting. Regularly, when I lived there, we had crackheads in our trash cans and prostitutes knocking on doors right outside and everything you can imagine. And I remember one night when some gunshots went off that my daughter said, Daddy, what is that? And I said, oh, don't worry about that, baby. That's just... It kind of sounds like a firework, doesn't it? And I remember taking my little daughter upstairs and wanting her to get out of the line of the windows and took her upstairs and feeling sad that night and coming back down and eating on my table. And that same sense of the presence of God that met me in that car met me there because I knew going into ministry, we couldn't afford a lot of stuff. I don't know about you, but I want to tell you about ministry. It's not something that always pays you a whole lot. I didn't go into this thing for the finances. They hired me at this church for $400 a month. That's what I got hired at 12, 13 years ago or so. 
You go in because you love people and you love God. And you do what you got to do to make ends meet. Legally. Amen. <laughs> and I remember sitting down at that table there and sitting with Mel and she was teared up and I was, I was too. And I said, God's prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. See, I know those gangs because I grew up in that neighborhood. I know every gang on every street. I know exactly where the lines are drawn. I know that neighborhood. I understand the street politics, but I also knew that God had called me to live there and to pray for that city. And he told me someday I'm going to plant a church in that little city, North Hollywood. And I remember those nights where I would just go to sleep sometimes sad because my kids didn't have a backyard. But I was thankful because we had a place to lay our head. Yeah. And I had a place to call home. And I was super thankful. And I said, God, if we never move, I'm still thankful. I'll still give my life for this church. I love these kids. At that time, I was a youth pastor for the majority of that time. And I said, Lord, I just love them. And, uh, Lord, we love these people. And so we want to serve them. Now, I thank God that through those seasons that we walked through that he had prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Amen? Because he didn't leave me there. He didn't leave me there, and he didn't leave my enemies there. The story wasn't over, and it still isn't over. I'm going to tell you today, I'm not still in that little apartment. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Uh, but I know what it is to be there for years and eat, as I often talk about, those Carl Buddig 99-cent store pastrami processed meats Three for a dollar. I understand to live off that stuff and top ramen nights. I know what they taste like. I understand what 99 cent stale bread tastes like when you're eating it, not because you did something wrong, but because you did something right. I understand what that feels like. And then I also understand what it's what it feels like to be blessed. I understand what it feels like to be honored. I understand what it feels like. To come to the table that God has provided for me. I want to encourage you today, whatever table that God's calling you today, whatever place of influence, whatever place of provision, whatever place that God has called you to, it could be your workplace, hear me today, it could be your very own home, but wherever he's called you to, he's called you to come to the table and to come with great understanding that he's prepared it for you. Can I hear an amen? I want to talk a little bit about the 23rd Psalm. I'm going to exegete this pericope and I'm going to apply some points by God's grace here in the next few minutes. So turn with me, if you would, to the 23rd chapter of Psalms. And I want to talk about coming to the table, coming to the table today. Now's the time for you to come to the table. Psalm 23 reads like this. The Lord, that's talking about Jesus because there's only one Lord. Just make sure you remember that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. He's talking to the Lord Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Come on, let me hear a little more excitement than that. Shout out, amen. amen. Yes, amen. I will fear no evil, he says, for you are with me. Aren't you so glad that when God, the shepherd, Jesus is with you, you don't have to fear? It's like being with your papa, the biggest, strongest daddy in the whole world. You got the biggest arms that you could ever imagine to pick you up in trouble, amen? 
He says this, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, here the, 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 the author, David, is utilizing an illustration. This is a poem. And this poem has more than two meanings. I want you to get that. So some people would say that it has, it's a double entendre. In other words, this has a, a direct application and then it has a philosophical or an allegorical application. It has a symbolic application to us. Can I hear an amen? So he's not necessarily talking about real streams that you would see with water and he's not necessarily talking about these different elements like the valley of the shadow of death physically that you would see, but he's speaking spiritually. The first layer is this, that here is a man who is a leader of a country and he's speaking about this context or this this picture rather of shepherding this was something that was really understood to this generation and in this place in israel the people that read this understood shepherding it was a very common common job and so it was a wonderful thing to to utilize this sort of um, expression because people would get it it would be much like maybe talking about working at fast food hear this um, it, were the, it was the sort of people that they didn't make a lot of money. Shepherds were understood to kind of be kind of stinky. They weren't the most, uh, how can we put this, uh, sort of, uh, they were very blue collar. Let's put it this way. And they were not like, they were not like a, a job that maybe everybody would say, hey, I want that job. Does that make sense? Sheep were stinky. Sheep were dumb. It was a, it was a dangerous job. You had to literally sleep outside many, many days. People didn't always enjoy it, but it was a living and everybody understood it. Matter of fact, it was a shepherding culture. So people understood between agriculture and shepherding. Man, you could utilize these sort of pictures. And so David utilized this picture at the leading of the Holy Spirit to draw a picture of how God comes to us. Listen, he puts his life on the line for us. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Not only that, but he gets in those trenches with us and walks us through the valleys. He's not worried about people looking at him and thinking bad about him, but he gets in the trenches with us. How many of y'all know that like life can get messy sometimes for us? We're sheep. Amen. Yeah, God had to get, go through a lot of stuff just to get me out of that valley and to get me into those greener pastures today and to prepare a table for me. Now, it's interesting when we get to that portion where he says, I prepare a table for you. Because the first thing that our Americanized, Westernized ideologies are, or ideas are rather, from our worldview is going to be like a literal table. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about a table where you eat in the context of a family. More, quite often, like even with Jesus, when he comes to the table and he's serving the wine and the bread on the Last Supper, the Bible talks about another table. That word in the Greek is the triclinium. It was a three-level table, and it was where they would recline and eat. That's not the table that's being talked about by David. The table that David's talking about is, a, is like what we would call a mesa. Have you ever seen a mesa? Yeah. Now, in Spanish, what does mesa mean? It means table, right? In the Hebrew, the same word was used for a flat mountaintop. Okay, and so when the Lord is inspiring David, he says, you've prepared a table for me. He's literally liking it unto a mesa or a flat mountaintop. These were places that had a lot of lush vegetation and it was flat. And so it was easier for that shepherd after he'd take his sheep up there. He, it was easy for him to see if there were enemies around. Can, can I hear an amen? 
So it was a flat area. It was a place that he felt safer, but at the same time knew that there were enemies that would lurk at the edges so that they could take advantage of the sheep that were on the mesa. But the mesa would be prepared. The flat area, that table that would be prepared would be prepared in this following way. That shepherd would go up sometimes in the evenings and pull out different roots and different plants that were poisonous or would make the animal sick. He would go and scout out that area and make sure that he didn't see bears or lions. He would go and prepare that table for them. Can I hear an amen? And so like, listen, you got to get this picture today that God was speaking to us in this way. When he says, I prepare in verse five, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's saying, I'm taking you into that place of pasture. I'm I'm going to take you into that place of blessing, but I want you to know that it's gonna be dangerous a little bit sometimes. Think with me, remember back when Paul the apostle was writing and he said that there's a very good and very effective door that's open unto me, but he said this, he says, there are many enemies. There's many enemies. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me hear you say, yeah. I want to remind you that in the same way that anytime there's a God opportunity, the devil looks at it as his opportunity to try and stop the spreading of God's purposes for his kingdom. Now, this is not a reason that we should fear, but like it's a reason that we should come back to this Psalm 23 and remember that we should not fear because we're going to be near the shepherd. Hear me. The closer you are to the shepherd, the safer you are. The shepherd would carry a staff, and that staff was to get these sheep when they were going astray, and also it was to protect his sheep from the violence of different animals that would be predators. Can I hear an amen? So listen to this today. God is going to take you up this mountain in this season to this now is the time opportunity. And it's a windy road sometimes, but we've come to the end of that road. And he's prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Ironically, the double entendre or the double meaning is this, is that God also takes us into places where we eat, where we feast, where we nourish ourselves that are sometimes hostile environments. But it is the exact environment that God desires to pour out his greatest blessings in our life. Come on, now listen. He wants to take you through a, through a valley so you can get up to this mountain. Hear me, there's a story in this poem. And as you get up to that mountain, he wants to remind you, this is my table. This is the place that's gonna feed you. Now I'm from the hip hop world. I don't know about you. That's where I come from. That's been my life. And in the hip hop world, everybody that's, that's a rapper or a producer or a DJ or a break dancer, we say, I gotta eat, dog, I gotta eat. And let me tell you what that means. Are you guys ready? Hello. Can I school you? This is hip hop 101. When a dude says, I got to eat, dog, you know what that means? That means I need some sort of regular income in my life. And I'm hoping that this music that I'm making is going to provide that for me. Do you hear me? So when 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 a rapper says, I got to eat, dog, so I'm doing my best, I'm grinding, it means I'm working really hard right now, and I got to eat. The cool thing is this, is that God does all the hard work. He's on the grind. Can I hear an amen? And all you got to do is get close to Jesus and get up on that hill and stay close to him because he's about to rock your world with blessings. But listen, the further away that you straggle, the further away that you get from the Lord is the more dangerous that you will be of a situation in because you're not close to your protection so there's relationships boys phone numbers girls apps distractions flirtatious co-workers wandering eyes internet access that comes like a thief to kill and steal and destroy 
Jesus has come, though, to give us life in that more abundant. Two quick things, friends. In this Mesa lifestyle, in this table lifestyle, you have to, hear me today, flee from the appearance of of danger. If you see a wolf, if you see something that looks unsafe, beloved, I'm kicking things apart up here. Check that out. It's pretty awesome. If you are seeing things that are dangerous, you need not go and investigate it because you are curious. Kids, we got the kids in the family service today. Listen to this. If you see something at school on somebody's phone that's not appropriate, that it's naughty, that doesn't mean you should go check it out. See, there's not much of a difference between kids and us. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes little situations approach us and people approach us and things and they come to us and we, instead of running from or fleeing, hear me, temptation, we run to it. And I want to encourage you in Jesus' name, allow your life to be existing daily in the presence of the shepherd so that you can avoid problems. Can I hear an amen? In Psalm 23, when he says, thou anointeth my head with oil, my cup runneth over, you need to get a picture of this as well, because this whole picture is connected. Each verse is not just its own sort of vignette that stands alone. This is one verse that builds upon the next, that builds upon the next, that builds upon the next. And they all, hear me today, begin to give insight on how God deals with his people and how he cares for them. When he says, now, after you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, he's throwing out a double entendre. It's kind of like when we rap sometimes, like we'll say one thing, but it means like three. And so the people that like rap music go, oh, that's funny, you know, and it's, it kind of tickles your inside. So you'll say, you know, um, I'm fresher than a, than a breath mint, right? And you're like, fresher than a breath mint? Well, you're talking about your rap style, not just your breath, okay? It's a very simplified version of it. Well, God likes rap music, it's clear, because he has a whole book full of rhymes. It's called Psalms, okay? And so that's his rhyme book. We all have rhyme pads. Rappers, we have these pads of papers where we write all of our songs out, okay? This is God's rhyme book right here. And so he has Psalms, and so he's taking this concept, and he's writing it out, and he's using this allegory, right? Can I hear an amen? Please, this is literally what he's doing. He's speaking the people's language. And so as he does this, he begins to flip it on us a little bit and change, change the illustration. And he says, watch, verse six, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, referring to that flat mountaintop. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Now listen, when it talks about oil in the Middle East, people frequently would anoint their visitors that would come to their house for dinner with perfume. This is regular to happen. Even in the New Testament, you see the woman who anointed Jesus. Can I hear an amen? And so they would utilize fragrances and give them also a a glass or a cup. And one of the traditions of the Jewish people was this, is that they would take that cup and they would pour it up with wine or with water and they would intentionally, watch, let it overflow. This was the culture. So they would pour that with wine and they'd let it overflow. But the reason why they would do that was this, is because they wanted peace. It was a cultural expression that anytime you're in my house and you're under my care, I'm going to take care of you, dog. And you're not going to have anything that you lack. Can I hear an amen? And so this is what God was speaking. So now he takes this analogy, right? This poem's analogy, and then flips it into this other picture of a literal dining table. And he says, and when you come after a long day, I'm going to make sure when you come to the dinner table, you're not going to smell. See, because people didn't have running water like we did, okay? People didn't have the same access to the bathrooms like we did back then. So when you would come to dinner, the guests 
of honor would be given ointment so they could be anointed on their heads so they wouldn't be stinky after a long day of work. Yeah, they'd wash their hands in a basin and then they'd come in and then the servants would wash their feet. And after that, they'd come in and they'd be given a glass right off the bat and it usually was wine. And then they would put it on the table and they'd pour it until it just barely overflowed. And this picture was a picture that when you're with me, Bubba, you're going to do all right. I'm going to take care of you. You're my guest of honor. And God's telling you today, the closer you stay to me, I'm going to change that stench of the world off you. I'm going to wash it off you with my Holy Spirit's anointing on you. And I'm going to pour my new life into your soul and I'm going to overflow you and I'm going to protect you. So when you come on to this mesa, this place that I prepared for you. Maybe it's a new job where you don't like the people and they they don't like you and they're kind of picking on you. But God's saying, I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Maybe it's your mother-in-law and you just got married and she can't stand you and you can't stand her and you guys fight like cats and dogs. But God says, I've prepared this table for you. Just stay close to me. Let my aroma be on you. Let my glory rest on you. Let my Holy Spirit fill you. I'll give you joy and I'll make sure that I take care of every need. Maybe you have a dream that God called you to and you're getting ready to give up and you feel like every door is a closed door and God says, no, 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 I got one more table for you and you haven't been there yet and you're just coming up off the dark side of that valley and you can't see it. I'm telling you in Jesus' name, you're coming up in Jesus' name. He's prepared a table. Stay close. Stay close to the master. Stay close to the master, man. Stay close. You won't know where to go. You won't know where to go unless you stay close. Jesus says, my sheep, they know my voice. You got to stay close. Jesus doesn't yell. If he yells at you, it's over, baby. Read Revelation. By the time he lifts his voice, it's over. We die. He's a whisper. Matter of fact, when the Bible talks about the voice of God as is presented in the context with Elijah, as he's in this Qumran caves waiting for the voice of God, the voice of God comes and there's fire, but it's not God. And there's earthquake, but it's not God. And there's, and there's wind, but it's not God. And all of a sudden it was still. And the Bible says there was a still silent voice and it was the voice of God. And we got to be able to differentiate his voice from our voice. Come on. We got to be able to differentiate his desire apart from our desire. And he doesn't yell. He's a gentleman, man. He's a gentleman. He's just going to be patient with you. But I don't want you to miss this opportunity. Because I believe that we are at the crux. We are at this, this breakthrough point of where God is going to use some of you in ways you've never imagined. More than you could ever ask or imagine. God is capable. He's faithful. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or imagine. Give him praise in this house. Do you believe that? There's something to this today. Something that's for you today. You need to hear these words today. You need to hear these words because I believe that if you will just come to the table, if you'll just not ignore it, maybe it doesn't look so good. Maybe it looks a little bit like my Chevy Beretta from 1987, light tan with a bent up hood. Maybe it doesn't look so good, but I'm telling you, if God calls you to the table, it's going to be a powerful time. He will do what you can't do. He'll provide for you in ways you couldn't imagine. Amen. Charles Spurgeon, 
who they called the Prince of Preachers said this, every believer has his or her enemies just like David did in the 23rd Psalm. We would not much like our Lord if we didn't, we would not be like our Lord if we didn't, implying that Jesus had haters and enemies too. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? In other words, when following Jesus Christ, you will not be able to please everyone. Listen, some of you are going to a table that nobody's ever seen before. It's rectangular and it's, it's cockeyed. It's different. God's called you to that table because there's places in dark places in this world that God's called you to that I won't go and vice versa. Can I hear an amen? And maybe your table doesn't really fit the mold of what other people have said. Well, praise God, it's the season to break the mold. And I want to tell you, you're going to have your haters. If you get to the right place and if you don't press eject too soon, I believe that God's about to provide for you in ways that you can never imagine. And because those gifts will be submitted to him at his feet, like my brother prophesied today, because those gifts will be thrown at his feet and not be about your selfish ambition, then God can utilize them because they'll be clean. Just like Abraham when he had Isaac, just like he was the son that God had given him. God said, now I want you to take him up the hill and sacrifice him. Man, and he's, he's got him. He's got him bound up. He's on the altar. Isaac's freaking out. Dad's got the knife. And as he's coming down with the knife, what's the story say? The angel of the Lord says, stop. Because God wanted his heart pure. The blessing that God had given him, the fulfillment of his dream, God wanted total access to. And the Bible teaches us in Hebrews that, that, that Abraham believed that even if he would have killed his own son, that God was able to bring him back and fulfill his promise. Can I hear an amen? You need to be a person who's faith-filled like that. Can I hear an amen? You need not live by your sights, by your senses. Listen, human wisdom has to be silenced in this time. If you live according to human wisdom, you'll only go by common sense and, and logic. But when you're called by God, you have to throw that logic out of the equation sometime. And you just got to say, God, this is the table you called me to. This is the job that you called me to. This is the family that you called me to. You prepared a table for me, and God, I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Praise him. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to ask you, if you would, at this time, would you please stand with me? I'm going to close here, but I want to stand up. I want to pray. I want to call us to an alertness and awareness spiritually today I believe that without a doubt that that God wants to encourage you today but he also hear this today he wants to bring this reminder to you that the closer I'm going to repeat myself the closer that you stay to him the safer you'll be there are going to be some big opportunities for many of you in this season. God has not called you to fear. It's going to be a big mesa. It's going to be a big table. It's going to be a good place. Make sure to not have selfish ambition, conceit, or deceit to permeate those places that God has called you to come and, and to manifest his glory in. Because remember, it's got to be more of his face and less of ours. Amen? That doesn't necessarily mean your literal face. It means your, your pride. There's some things that need to go in our life, some selfish ambitions, some things that we do for attention, some things that aren't pleasing to him. It's interesting in Psalm 78, the writer says this. He says, a rebellious Israel mocks God by asking God this, watch. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Think about this. Sometimes there's people 
that say things like this. I've been one of those sometimes where I just felt like so overwhelmed by the lack of the fulfillment of the dream that God gave me that I just sometimes just would let doubt come out of my mouth. And we have to be careful not to use our words in a negative way. Can I hear an amen? Bible teaches us that the power of life and death is in the tongue and those that love it will eat the fruit of it. So you need to be wise and be careful what you would say. You see, Ephesians 4.29 says it this way, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only what's useful to build others up so that there may be grace imparted to those who hear. And in this season, you got to protect yourself. Protect your neck. you got to protect yourself in the season from the darts of the enemy because sometimes he will try to employ your own mouth to curse and bring a binding upon the promises of God that have already been clearly dictated in the scripture and through prophetic words that have come to you. Can I hear an amen? So put a muzzle over your mouth. Make sure you don't say, I'm stupid. Make sure you don't say, I'm not going to get any gigs. Make sure you don't say, I'll never get a job. Make sure you don't say those things. No, prophesy the goodness of God. God, I thank you that I'm the head, I'm not the tail. I thank you that your word says I am more than a conqueror. Amen? So as you do these things, beloved, God will spread a table for you. And the Bible teaches us that this is rebellious Israel asked this question, this question in the 19th verse of Psalm 78. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? And it's almost like you can hear the people just saying, God, where are you at? Can you actually do this? And I want to tell you today, the thing that will stop you from fulfilling, hear me, your destiny and seeing all that God has for you. The only thing that can stop you, I'm not saying it will in Jesus' name. The only thing that can stop you is this, rebellion. Not walking close to the master. When I don't stay in intimacy with Jesus, then I start to act outside of my norm. Can I hear an amen? Listen. Romans 8, 6 says this, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. John 15 tells us that if we abide in him, hear me, and his words abide in, in us, listen, that we're going to bear much fruit. That means intimacy. That means one-on-one, time with God, time in his word, time in prayer, time in fellowship, time in church, time in serving. And when you do that, you will abide in him. You'll be close to the shepherd. Can I hear an Amen. And as you're close to the shepherd, you'll begin to see this spread. And listen, I want to tell you, the book of Isaiah says it this way, and it's so beautiful. He says, I'll make springs in the desert. I'll make a garden in the wasteland. And yes, God can make a way where there seems no way. I want to tell you that. I'm living proof of it. I've seen my dreams come true, and I got more that God says are are for me, and more dreams ahead for his kingdom. And I'm not done. I'm just not done yet. I got more to do. I got books to write. I don't know about you. I got ministries to start. I got churches to plant. I got young pastors to see raised up in this church. We got a lot to do. We got chairs to get filled out. And God's going to be faithful because he's not a man that he would lie. He's faithful to complete this work that he started in us as a corporate body. He will complete it. We will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Listen, God spread the table. He spread out a table in the presence of the enemies of Israel. When when he walked the children of Israel across the Red Sea, can I hear an amen? God spread the same table for his people when he provided manna for his children and quail in the wilderness. Can I hear an amen? God prepared the table 
table for his people when he took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. God prepared the table for his people when he lifted up Joseph in the eyes of all of Egypt in order to feed his brothers. Now, hold on. Listen. In order to feed his brothers, listen, God raised him up. He prepared a table so that all of Israel could have the food and the supplies during a time of drought. I'm telling you today, God is going to do the same thing. God prepared a table for his people when he anointed Queen Esther as the queen of all Persia. And as she came to that dinner for the king Xerxes and her enemy Haman was there. And Haman wanted to kill all of the Israelite children. And God prepared the table and he gave her favor with kings and he gave her words power. And she was there able to see many saved just like Joseph. Joseph rose up to that table of preeminence to see many saved. Can I hear an amen? I'm going to tell you what, the same God prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies when I was in my car. He's the same God that did it for me when I didn't have a place to sleep and I had a little three-bedroom apartment. God took care of me and if he did it before, he'll do it again. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Give him praise in his house. What a blessing it is to hang out with you every week. I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to sit with us and to sit under the ministry here at Nations Church LA. We have a vision as a multi-generational, multicultural, multi-ethnic church. We really have a vision to reach the world. Matthew 28 is our credo. We're thankful that you're a part of that as we make disciples of all nations. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning in. Can't wait to talk to you next time. And remember, keep it real with God and keep it real with others.